Welcome back to Alger Assembly of God, and welcome back to our series entitled, Questions Jesus Asked. Now, in our study together, we've seen Jesus has asked over 300 different questions. Now, last week, Easter Sunday, it was a powerful part of our series. We saw that Jesus Christ, the risen and the resurrected Savior, asked a number of questions of Mary Magdalene. He asked, why are you crying? And he asked, who are you looking for? Maybe you're wondering, now what? What do we do now that Easter is over? I mean, there was preparation leading up to Easter, and that was different. And then Easter Sunday itself, well, that was different. We're home, uh, we're, we're quarantined, we're, we're worshiping from home and, and kind of stuck at home, staying at home. And in all of that, uh, maybe you, you still did some things that were part of Easter, but maybe it felt a little bit different. And now we've, we've gone right past Easter and you're wondering, what now? That's what I'd like to share with you in just a few moments. What do we do? How should we act even after Easter is over. How should that define us? So I want to invite you to turn with me, grab your Bible, grab a cell phone, grab some form of your text, and join with me in the book of Luke chapter 24. In Luke chapter 24, uh, it reveals a total of five questions that Jesus asked over this process and over this period. Uh, he asked everything from, what are you discussing? All the way to the question, do you have anything here to eat? That might be a question Brookie's about to ask me. Hey, Dad, we're here taping. We're here videoing. You got anything to eat? The answer is no. But uh, Jesus asked a number of different questions. But what we're going to be taking particular care to look at as we jump into Luke chapter 24 is this. Last week, we looked at the actions of a risen and resurrected Savior. This morning, I want to take a look at what are some of the actions that should be a part of your life and my life. So we're going we're gonna to examine a number of actions of a true disciple. I trust that you want to be a true follower, a true disciple of Jesus Christ. So we're going to look at a number of actions that I believe from God's Word, you and I ought to follow and put into practice. Number one, I believe that we need to welcome the interruptions of life. Luke chapter 24, beginning in verse 13, it says, now that same day, pause for a moment, that same day, earlier in the text, Luke is writing about how you know the tomb was empty and people had seen Jesus. And now, that same day, this is still resurrection day. This is still after Jesus Christ was risen from the dead. That same day, two of them. Who's the them? Them means the disciples. Now, not the 11 disciples, uh, you know, Jesus 12 minus what Judas had done. These are not Jesus' original 11, but the broader sense, disciples or followers of Jesus. So on the same day that Jesus had risen from the dead, two of these disciples, two of these followers were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. Now, do you like to walk? I, I try to walk much as I can and sometimes walk around the sanctuary. Seven miles, you know, at a, at a brisk pace wouldn't take you too long, but maybe in, in Bible days and not wearing Nikes, 
uh, and talking, maybe it's two to three hours worth in this particular journey. It says they were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. How powerful would that be? Verse 16 says, they were kept from recognizing him. Now, this is a pretty massive interruption to their life. They're not sure all of what had happened, and the two of them are walking together. They've got a two-hour, maybe three-hour, seven-mile journey ahead of them, and they're deep into conversation when somebody butts in, somebody interrupts. Well, it's Jesus. Verse 17, he asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened here in these days? I mean, in today's day and age and culture, they, they might as well have just said, What? Are you an idiot? How in the world do you not know what has happened? I mean, everybody knows what has happened. Jesus in verse 19 said, what things? In other words, they're saying, how do you know, how do you not know what things have happened? And Jesus responds with what things? And so they answer him about Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. I just, I find some humor in this. Here are disciples, followers of Jesus, telling Jesus about Jesus. How incredible and interesting is that it leads us to think sometimes the answer, exactly what we need, it's right in front of us. It's Jesus. And we don't often see. Jesus was right in front of them. So they continued. Verse 19, they told him he was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and the people. The chief priests and rulers handed him to be sentenced to death and crucified. Verse 21, we had hoped... He was the one who was going to redeem Israel. You see, these disciples, they, they felt left down or let down a little bit. Sometimes we feel the same way. We think that God's going to do something. God's going to bless or God's going to heal or God's going to provide. We think God's going to do this. And if and when he doesn't, we feel let down. We had hoped he would do this. And that's what they were saying. And what is more, they said in verse 21, it's the third day since all of this took place. And in addition, women amazed us. They went to the tomb, didn't find his body. They'd seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. I mean, they're sharing the entire story about Jesus with Jesus. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as they had said, but they did not see Jesus. I think one of the things we've got to be willing to do as a follower and as a disciple of Jesus is welcome the interruptions of life that sometimes he brings our way. We're facing, understandably, a pretty big interruption. This coronavirus, this COVID-19 situation, it's, it's interrupted every phase of our life from school systems and, and uh, kids having school at home to restaurants shut down and, and just some drive-throughs and pickups to, uh, to, to barber shops. Uh, I mean, check out, uh, for some of you, you think, boy, your hair is short. I started doing daily devotional videos over a month ago. 
go back and check it out. Tuesday, March 17th. Take a look at that hair versus this hair. Kind of long and shaggy. So interruptions that have happened and taken place in our lives. The question is, do we welcome the interruptions that come? Do we welcome what we receive? Or like these disciples, do we just kind of butt in and start explaining everything from our own perspective? Sometimes Jesus surprises us. Maybe we're full of despair and he shows up out of the blue and we sense and we feel his presence when we maybe least expected it. Sometimes that's how Jesus works. Maybe he works through a phone call or maybe he works through a Facebook devotional or message or maybe he works through a, a text or through a, a good old-fashioned card or letter. But God uses individuals to, to speak into our lives using some of those interruptions. Don't be surprised. God knows exactly what it is that we need and when it is that we need it. So be open to God's plan. Be willing to face the interruptions of life. Whatever it is that God might have for you or for me, are we willing to face them? Are we willing to be interrupted in his plan? May God grant us the wisdom to face the interruptions of life because a true disciple of Jesus Christ will welcome those interruptions. Secondly, I believe that a true disciple in Jesus Christ will grow in God's word. We continue in Luke chapter 24, verse 25. Jesus said to them in response to these disciples, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all of the scriptures concerning himself. I don't know about you, I would have loved to have been a part of that teaching session. Jesus himself, they're not understanding, they don't know it yet, but Jesus himself, he's going back all the way to Moses and the prophets, all of the Old Testament writings, and explaining what the word of God, what the scriptures have to say about Jesus. Maybe, maybe Jesus would have went back to Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, where God speaks to the serpent in the Garden of Eden. And God said that he would bruise his heel, speaking about the serpent bruising the heel of the coming Messiah, but that the Messiah would crush his head. And imagine how Jesus would have explained how this crucifixion, death, burial, and resurrection fulfilled that prophecy. Or maybe Jesus went back to Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, where the, the prophet wrote this, that the virgin would be with child, and they shall call his name, what is it? You got it, say it out. Emmanuel, which means, yes, God with us. Maybe, maybe Jesus was talking about all of the fulfillment of that scripture. Maybe Jesus went a couple chapters later into Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, where he said this, that his name, this coming Messiah, his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Can you imagine being a part of this incredible teaching session as Jesus walks them through the scripture? 
See, they needed to know that the Old Testament scriptures spoke about him. The Old Testament points to him, promised him, predicted him, and prepared them for him. From prophecies and psalms and the prophets to Jesus Christ, his life that the gospel writers would write about, Jesus explains who he is and what he has done. They were growing in the word of God by hearing from the Son of God himself. I want to challenge and invite you to grow in the word of God. There are a lot of different opportunities that you and I have. On a daily basis, we do a, a little devotional. This is the paper copy of the Our Daily Bread. I, I do that as well from the app on my cell phone, available on iTunes, available on Google Play Store. You've got the Word of God in a devotional format each and every day. There's the Bible app. That's how I do my daily Bible reading. And you've got all kinds of plans and videos and teachings. Simply put that on your cell phone, your mobile device. As well, we've got various Bible reading guides. These are some of the paper guides, and these are available in paper format. I know we're not meeting together, but you can go to our website, algerag.com, and you can go to Bible reading guides, which is under the resources tab. And you can get download, print, any one of those three uh, particular uh, plans, and you can jump in and follow along and grow in the Word of God. Now, a little bit later in this particular chapter, as Jesus reappears, it says, He opened their minds so they could understand Scripture. That's a, that's a powerful thought. I, I love that phrase. It's one thing to read, but it's another thing to truly understand what it is that you read. It's only as we understand God's word that we truly understand God's ways. We understand scripture when scripture begins to change us. It convicts us, uplifts us, assures us, fills us, moves us, motivates us, comforts us, grabs us, and yes, changes us. 2 Timothy 3.16 says this, all scripture is given by the inspiration of God and it's profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, and instruction in righteousness. We grow in all of these ways as we get into God's word. It's not just about getting into God's word because it's Easter Sunday, but after Easter and beyond, we grow in God's word. When you read the Word of God, when you dig into the Bible, ask the Holy Spirit to help you to understand it, learn it, and apply it. Expect to hear from God, and you will. Let's read it, understand it, learn it, memorize it. Many of the scriptures that I know to this day I learned as a young boy in Bible quiz, kids' church, junior church, those types of things have, have been with me decades and decades. It's the word of God learning and growing in my mind and in my life and in my heart. Here's the thing. You can find Jesus on every page of scripture. We dig in and we see how it all points to him. So how do we grow? Well, we grow by living the word of God out. 
And we live it as we obey it. We obey it as we apply it. We apply it as we learn it. We learn it as we understand it. We understand it as we study it. We study it after we're reading it. But how do you read it? You take God's word and you open it up. You take that app of the Bible and you open it up. Let us grow in God's word because a true disciple grows in God's word. Thirdly, a true disciple spends time in God's presence. This is key. Verses 28 and 29 say this. As they, now it's the, the disciples along with Jesus, as they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going farther. But they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. Now, they were you know, still overwhelmed, no doubt, as Jesus is explaining the scriptures, he's revealed himself, and now they've got the opportunity to invite him in, to stay with them. I want to encourage you to invite Jesus in. I'm going to give you an opportunity in just a, a little bit at the conclusion of this message for you to invite Jesus into your life. Now listen, Jesus Christ is not going to barge into your life. He's, he's not going to beat the door down to get to you and make you surrender, make you invite him. He allows you and gives you the opportunity to invite. In fact, Revelation chapter 3, verse 20 puts it like this. Jesus saying, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. Perhaps Jesus Christ is standing at the doorway to your heart and your life, waiting, desiring that you would invite him in. He wants a relationship with you. He wants to know you. He, he wants to be able to help and to assist, helping you to grow in God. That you would know him, that you would trust him, that you would follow and serve after him. The disciples chose to invite him in. I want to invite you to choose to invite him into your life. But don't just invite him in once and then kind of forget about him. Don't just invite him in and say, well, well, I've done that, so let me live my life the way I want. Invite him to stay. Invite him to stay. Seek to commit your life to him. Don't just seek to spend a little bit of time in your calendar because last Sunday was Easter. Don't just seek to spend a little bit of time with him because, well, it's Sunday and this popped up on your Facebook scroll. Don't just seek to spend a little bit of time with him because, well, it's coronavirus and, and we're all just kind of stuck inside and I, I might as well. Those are things that might lead you to for the first time. But I want to invite you to choose to continue and invite Jesus to stay. Allow him back into your life and, and to continue to have an impact and a change upon your life. Let there be a want to rather than a have to, that we choose to. The disciples chose to invite him in, and I believe for you and I to be a true follower, a true disciple of Jesus Christ, we invite him in, and we invite him to stay. Fourthly, 
What does a true disciple, what does a true follower do? They follow where Jesus leads. Verse 30 and 31. They've invited Jesus in. They're they're staying at the village. And so these disciples plus Jesus, here they are. What's going to happen? Verse 30. When he, meaning Jesus, was at the table with them, meaning the disciples, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Does that sound familiar? Jesus took bread, broke it, blessed it, began to give it to them. Then, and only then, verse 31, it says, then their eyes were opened and they recognized him. You can almost just visualize here this this slow wave of recognition, this aha moment just spreading across their face as they're running through their minds all that Jesus had now spoken about along the road and how they've invited him in and wow, this was Jesus that we invited in and now it's Jesus who had taken bread, blessed it, gave thanks, broke it and gave it to them just as Jesus had done earlier. Verse 31 says he disappeared out of their sight. So it's it's a rather unusual situation, don't you think? Here's two disciples along the road. And Jesus jumps in with them. He joins them in the middle of their trip. He's the guest in their village as they invite him in. He's the guest at the table as they invite him to eat. He's the guest at the table as they are the hosts. Now, when you invite somebody over, certainly you want to take care of them. But typically, you as the host, you're the one that kind of is in control and, and overseeing things. If, if our girls were to have somebody over, certainly not now, but uh, to have a friend over, we, we kind of lead, we take, take the lead. And so, you know, we might choose to, uh, in our meal, hey, we're going we're gonna to pause and we're going to pray, or we're going to be doing this, or we're going to be doing that. We kind of take the lead. Yet here Jesus is, he's the guest, and he takes the lead. He takes the bread, he blesses it, he gives thanks, he breaks it and begins to give it to them. And they begin to follow his lead. After they did so, boy, he vanishes. Now, it doesn't mean that Jesus left them because later on in in that chapter, Jesus reappears and, and certainly over these next number of days and weeks, Jesus appeared to many different individuals. But it means at that particular point, they did not see him physically. Understand, just because you can't see Jesus doesn't mean that he's not there. Just because you can't feel Jesus doesn't mean that he's not working on your behalf. Just because you think you're alone doesn't mean that there's no one at your side. Now, later in the chapter, verse 50, we read this. When he had led them out to the vicinity of Bethany, He lifted up his hands and blessed them. Later on, after a number of days and after a number of weeks, Jesus is about ready to ascend into heaven to be with the Father. And Jesus had been leading them and the disciples as true disciples had been following. Are we willing to follow Jesus even when many times it's difficult Are we willing to follow Jesus even when many times we don't seem to understand 
what he's doing. The disciples did. You and I must, because a true disciple of Jesus Christ will follow where he leads. That leads to the final action. The final action of a true disciple of Jesus Christ is this. A true disciple will walk as a witness. So verse 32 and following, Jesus had disappeared from them at the table and they asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together, saying, It is true, the Lord is risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two, these are the two that were on the road to Emmaus that Jesus had appeared to, the two told what had happened and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. Later on in the chapter, when Jesus reappears in verse 46, he told them, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day and repentance of the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. Now check out verse 48. This is key. He says, you are witnesses. You are witnesses of these things. I'm going to send you what my father has promised, but stay in the city until you've been clothed with power from on high. You see, witnesses recognize what they are. If we're going to walk as a witness, we've got to understand what a witness is. What's a witness? Maybe, maybe you're like me. You like some of the, uh, the dramas or movies about uh, cops and police and, and uh, you know, when it comes to lawyers and, and, and everybody that's showing up in front of the judges and all these witnesses are being called in the courtroom settings. Sometimes those witnesses are professional people who have studied, but the majority of these witnesses, they're average, everyday people like you and me, and they're simply called to share what they've seen and heard and know. Witnesses don't have to be experts. They simply need to share what they've heard and seen and know. That's what we're called to do. We're called to be a witness. We're called to share what we've experienced, what we've seen, what we've heard. We're called to share what Jesus Christ has done in our lives. Now, witnesses have a sense of urgency. These disciples, they didn't say, well, let's, let's kind of wait. Let's wait until maybe the next time we bump into somebody and maybe we'll kind of tell them what we've seen. It was immediate. Let's go, let's tell, let's share. Many, many witnesses, many witnesses have an incorrect view of what it means to be one. Many Christians, perhaps, they say, when it comes to being a witness, when it comes to evangelizing, when it comes to sharing, well, that's for somebody else. A, a witness or someone who shares about Jesus, they think it's for superstar Christians. Outgoing, articulate, or equipped people. And particularly, well, it's got to be a pastor or someone else's job. It's, it's those kinds of people. Those are the ones that are to be a witness. 
Or sometimes the other thought is this. They think it's for loud mouths who, who force the gospel upon everyone they meet. They, they think about the, maybe the street preacher who kind of yells and screams. And so they say, well, I'm not this and I'm not this, so I'm good to go. The answer is no. We are called to be a witness. You are called. I am called. We're simply called to share what we've seen and heard and experienced and to share what Jesus Christ has done in our lives. Here's another good thing about witnesses is that witnesses simply start where they are. Did you catch what he said? He said that you'll, you'll be preaching in my name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. You're going to start right here with where you are. Preach repentance. Preach forgiveness. Let people know about the good news of Jesus Christ and that He can change their life. Sometimes people think the only way to truly be a witness is to be a foreign missionary. And, and certainly there are individuals who can do that. They can go halfway around the globe and share the good news of Jesus to many who have not heard. But for you and for me, we're able to be a witness right where we are. Whether it's a small village, a, a little town or community, a big city, wherever you might be at, at home, at work, at school, certainly a lot of those places are, are not up and running at this point, but wherever you and I are able to go. And however we are able to connect and communicate with people, we are to witness. We are to share what we've seen and heard and understand. And he says, you're, you're going to wait for the power of the Holy Spirit. We are to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. You see, a true follower, a true disciple of Jesus Christ will walk as a witness. So now what? It's the week after Easter. Maybe you've got a lot of questions about the now what? In the midst of this coronavirus shutdown, it was, it's kind of nice to, uh, to get ready and prepared for Easter, but now what do we do? So we've taken a look at this text. We've seen that a true follower, a true disciple of Jesus Christ will welcome the interruptions of life, grow in God's word, spend time in his presence, follow where he leads, and then they choose to walk as a witness wherever they might go.